If you want to go ahead and stay standing and uh, turn me to John chapter 1, verse 35. My voice has been killing me, so just bear with me this morning. God's really helped me. And Pastor, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning. John chapter 1, verse 35, just as Pastor talked about, we've seen 56 people get baptized in the last week. And I fasted and prayed this, this last um, this last week. And I said, God, I said, just give us 40, you know, give us 40. And, and um, it was, you know, you just we preached on baptism and who knows, and students were, man, $50 jeans and all, man, they just jumped in and I was just awesome. And there was just a really, it was just such a sweet move of God. And even, even you can feel it today in worship. God's just pleased with our house and, um, it's just incredible what God's doing. And if you want to get baptized, I'm ready. All right. Like I'm ready today. I don't care. Okay. I'm just, we'll go. All right. We're right. Right. Mike, Michelle, we're, we're good. So, and the pool is just beautiful right now. It's hot. It just feels incredible. You know, somebody came up to me in December and they're like, Hey, I want to get baptized. I'm like, are you hearing from Jesus? You know, it's freezing outside, you know, and, and even in the, even in the December, I, I, I've baptized people in my bathtub. I'm dead serious. So we'll do whatever. We'll make it work. John chapter one, verse 35 is as you're there. Um, I do want to just give a little bit of background. We are in the gospel of John. There are four gospels in the Bible. Okay. They have four gospels and they, the word gospel means good news. And it basically, it's the story and life of Jesus Christ. Everybody say Jesus. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. Now we're going to come from the book of John, but every single gospel is important because it gives us a perspective um, of Jesus. And, and, uh, one theologian once said, it's not four separate gospels, but it's a, it's one fourfold gospel. And when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together, we get a, we get a healthy balance of who Jesus is and who we are to follow. And so Matthew, uh, shows us Jesus as the Messiah, that he is the anointed one. He's the, he's the soon coming King. He's the one that died on the sins on, on the cross for our sins. He is the only person that can do that. Uh, Matthew, that's Matthew, Mark, Mark is, is Jesus as the servant. It shows that he came to serve first. Uh, Luke shows Jesus as the perfect man. And then John shows Jesus as really being fully God, that he was fully man and fully God. Everybody say fully God. Shows his divinity. And so we pick up here in John chapter 1, and we're going to read at verse 35. John has just talked about that he is not God. He is not Jesus. He is not the Christ. He's not the anointed one, uh, but there is soon someone that is coming. And so we see the very first words that Jesus says according to the gospel of John, according to John's gospel, what he says. And so we're here in John chapter 1, verse 35, and the Bible says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus immediately. That was pretty smart. They realized if he really is the Lamb of God, I probably need to follow him, right? Okay. Verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following. Of course, now they're following him. So then he turns around and he says, I love this. He says, what do you, what do you want? What do you, what do you want? Look to your neighbor and just say, what do you want? What do you want? They said rabbi, which means teacher. Um, they don't know what to say. I mean, this is the Lamb of God. They don't have any background on what to say. So they're just like, well, where are you going? You know, maybe we'll just join you. I don't know. You're the Lamb of God. We're just going to. And I thought that was a pretty smart conclusion after just meeting Jesus in 30 seconds. And all of a sudden, he's asking them what do they want. That was a pretty good conclusion. We would like to follow you. And so then he says, come. And he says, you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying. They spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon, which is when I'll be done preaching today. Everybody's going to fast today. 
No, I'm going to be done on time. Lord help. (laughs) Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. Wow. I've entitled this message this morning, What Do You Want? What, what do you, what do you want? Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. I thank you for every single first-time guest in this house. I thank you for friends and family. I thank you that, God, you have a divine appointment with this gathering, with these exact people. And, Lord, now I, just, I, I know that you are the author of this word. This is your living, breathing word. It's your Bible. It's your 66-book love letter to us. And so, Lord, I ask that you would make this word leap into our hearts, make it alive in us, change us forever, grab our attention today. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. I remember... Uh, I was about 12 years old, and my family and I were invited to uh, one of our, our, our friends' um, mountain homes. And uh, the family that, that invited us, they're extremely rich. If I, if I told you what company they owned, you would, you would definitely go, oh, okay, that makes more sense, but I'm not going to do that. Um, and so they, they, they came to us and they said, hey, we would love for you guys to come join us. So it's me, my parents, and they had like a 12-year-old son. I was 12 years old. We hung out together. We actually played basketball together. And so they said, hey, um, would you guys like to come to our mountain home? We're like, yes, we would definitely like to go to your mountain home. They're like, ah, it's this place up in North Carolina. It's kind of small, whatever, you know. So we don't know what to expect. I mean, I knew it was going to be nice, you know. So we walk in and we, we, we drive up to the place and it is just huge. And I think they had about 11 bedrooms pretty good size, beautiful, just, I mean, they're, they're like, they had one living room that was bigger than I think this, this whole room here. Um, and then everything just overlooked this beautiful golf course. And then you just saw all the mountains in the back. They had three golf carts that we, I, we did drove around at some point, 12 years old, you see a golf cart. It's hard. You know what I'm saying, man, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard not to. Okay. So, so, you know, we drove it around and I remember, I mean, they had cars and everything. And I remember at some point uh, they came over to me or they, they were with us. And throughout the three days, they would kind of just say, hey, what do you guys want to do? You know, hey, wh- what what do you want? You know, and we're like, I don't know. You know, you tell me, you know. And uh, I remember one time we were at this, um, the last night, we were at this steakhouse. It was a really small steakhouse. It was one of those steakhouses where, like, if you didn't get steak, like, you were a dummy. You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of, it was, it was very expected. The waitress would kind of look at you like, what? You know, you don't. And it was in North Carolina. So it was like, what? You know, that still sounded not, whatever. I'm going to give up on that one. <laughs> and uh, they're like, what? You know, have you ever been to a place like that? Uh, something, some type of steakhouse, maybe something like that. You know, you just, it's kind of implied you're going to get that steak. And so the, uh, the dad leans over to me. And we're about to order. And then he, and he says these words. He says, what do you want? And I'll be dead honest with you. Before God, I was 12 years old, and the last thing I was thinking about was a steak. In my head, I'm thinking, I'll take a college tuition, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, even in my 12-year-old world, I could just think enough just to be like, I'll take one of your cars, you know? Like, I'll, like, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take anything, you know, whatever you got. Stock, you know, I'll, if you knew what company it was, I'll take stock, I'll, you know. I, I remember being 12 years old, and I was thinking this, you know? And, and let me just explain. A lot of people in my life up until that point have asked me, hey, what do you want? But it wasn't until I got around somebody that had so much resource that all of a sudden the question brought a new light to me. And all of a sudden my response 
was a little bit different. All of a sudden, I was thinking differently. A lot of people have asked me, hey, sitting down at dinner, hey, what would you like? And I'm like, I'll take a baked potato, you know, or whatever. But, but when I got into the presence of somebody that had, uh, in my 12-year-old world, unlimited resources, all of a sudden, everything changed. And so we're here in John chapter 1, verse 35. And, and Jesus, fully God, fully man, comes down to these two young men. And he looks them in the eye. Imagine Jesus looking you in the eye and he says, what do you want? What do you want? Wow. Uh, the, the fully God, fully man, he can do anything. He has no, there is no barriers. There is no walls. He is God. And, he come, and he's coming to you today and he says this to you. What do you want? Wow, how would you respond to something like that? I, for me personally, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't think many people in this room honestly would say, God, I, I need a paycheck this week. I think when you got into the presence of God that can absolutely do anything, paychecks are very small. Or, or God, I need my mortgage paid off, even though sometimes we make that such a big deal. But, but to God, is, is that really what you would ask for? I think, I think, I think if I, if I could just use this as a prop today, and if I, if I could take everybody else out of this room, and if I could just take you, you and me, and I just talked about God, I talked about His unlimited resource, and I brought you in this seat, and I looked at you and I said, okay, Jesus Christ has unlimited resource, unlimited ability, He is God, He loves you, and He is asking you, what do you want? What would you say? I think, I think some of you tonight, this morning, you might say, you know, you know, God, I just want some peace. Man, I just want some peace. God, I just, I want some truth around me. I, I feel like, I feel like everything around me just seems vague. It just seems like a lie. God, I just, God, I want some truth. Lord, I want some patience. I seem so irritated all the time and I don't know why. God, I want some patience. Some of you, you might say, God, I want some joy. Man, I just want some joy. Some of y'all might say, God, I just want a fresh start. Mm. Man, God, I'm interested in that. I want hope for tomorrow. I want my marriage to be restored. God, I want to know that you're with me. You know, what's interesting about what was just said, if, if you had related with any of those things, is that that literally is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It literally is the characteristic of love. And if we look in 1 John chapter 4 verse 8, it says that God is love. Let me read this to you. Love is patient. Man, I love some patience. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Thank you, God. It does not dishonor others. Yes, Lord. I, God, if I could be real with you, man, I just want some honor. I want to honor those. I want to live in a life of honor. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Some of you, man, you're just angry and you don't know why. It keeps no records of wrong. Oh, somebody can say amen to that. Thank you, Lord. Fresh start. Fresh start. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. 
It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Man, God, if I could be real with you today, I want you. I want your love. You know, as I was thinking about this scripture, I felt like these young men really responded pretty well. I mean, they didn't know Jesus before. They, they didn't have the book of John to really go back to. It's not like they've seen this done before. We get to hear a sermon and then, and then, and then really make an educated response. But they just had to go right there at the spot and just kind of do it. They, just, they had to come up with something. And so I just started to think of myself, if I was, if I was here and if God brought me in this, in this chair, and, and, and because I know what I know now today, because I know who God is, because I have the whole Bible, because I, I have a knowledge of Jesus Christ and His love and His grace, because of that, if, if God sat me in this seat and He said to me, me myself and he said pg or he would probably wouldn't call me pg you some of you call me pg he'd probably say glenn or knucklehead i don't know something like that <laughs> and if he he came to me and he said what do you want now, now now let me be honest with you at first i would probably be thinking pretty material i'd be like oh, you know, i'll take a car you know i'm just I mean, lord jesus come on uh you know like i'll take my mortgage paid off Lord, I, you know, I'll ask for this, or I don't know, you know, Lord, I just pray for health forever or whatever. And, and I might get through some of that stuff. But after I get past all of my flesh for a second, then I think on the other side, for me personally, is I would finally, the light bulb would hit in my life, and I would go, you know what? You know what, God? Hold on. You're God. Not me. And, and if you know every hair on my head, the Bible says, if you catch every tear that I cry in a bottle, the Bible says, if you know my heart better than I do, and if you have a perfect and pleasing will, as his word says in Romans chapter 12, if all of this is true, then you know what? You know what my response is now? Forget about the money. Forget about the car. You know what I want? I want whatever you want. Because you are God and I am not, my best response this morning is just to say, God, I want what you want. Can I tell you the secret to living the Christian life, a great Christian life? You might want to write this down. You ready for this? Here's the secret. I don't want you to tell anybody else. Okay, don't tell the, when you see the Baptist, no, I'm just playing. When you see them, tell everybody. Okay, I'm just joking. Listen, here's the secret. You ready for this? Write this down. Write this on your child. Write this on your neighbor. Write it on your forehead backwards so that when you go home tonight, you look at the mirror. It'll make sense to you. I've never actually had a student do that in youth church yet, but we'll see. I'm sure that'll happen at some point. You ready? Here's the secret. You ready? Oh, man, this is... I prayed long for this one. Jesus. Whatever God tells you to do, Wait, wait. <laughs> Don't jump the gun. You probably already came to a service or something. <laughs> Whatever God tells you to do. You ready? <laughs> do it. Oh, my goodness. What a... I can wrap the whole Bible up into that one thing. Whatever God tells you to do, just do it. You're in high school today. You're deciding on, maybe you're a college student. Maybe you're here and you're deciding on whether to get married, whether or not. Is he the one? Is she the one? Is that the one? Is this the way thing? You know what you need to do? You need to get alone with God. Learn how to read his Bible. Learn how to hear from him. And then do whatever he tells you to do. Your Christian life will change forever. It is that 
Simple. Do you know why we had 42 baptisms? It's because two weeks before I had 38 people respond to the altar. I went back in this back room and my heart was grieved because they weren't getting it. And I could tell that they weren't going to get to the water baptism pool. So you know what I did? Being grieved and getting in the loan with God and saying, God, this doesn't seem right to me. Does this seem right to you? God, what do you want to do in this situation? He said, forget about your next three weeks of messages. You need to preach this simple Bible, this simple passage. And it's just Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent, be baptized, be full of the Holy Spirit. And right out of that, that just birthed. And then 50 people are responding to the baptism and listen that's just all that is is just being obedient to doing what god's called you to do so so let me let me ask you this what what would change in your life if you said god i want what you want and let me just take a step back because it's so quick because this is how we are we we pray these prayers we wake up if you pray in the morning whatever and you get wake up and you say god i want this Lord, I need this. I need this healing. God, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for this. God, I lift up this. I I pray for this. I pray for this. I pray for this. And listen, none of that is bad. I am not talking a theology that does not say that we don't serve a good God. And that, listen, literally the word prayer is petition. Petition means request. I Absolutely, we come before the Father with requests. But the Bible teaches us how to pray. We're about to take six weeks on it. I'm so excited about it. But just Jesus teaches us how to pray. And he says this. He says, start out by saying what? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Let me just take a step back. We've got to get to the place where we are not asking for things before we are declaring his holiness. God, and you know what, and you know where God is really taking you? It's to the place where you say, you know what, God? If I don't ever get healed, I want you to know that you're holy. God, if nothing ever changes in my life, I want you to know that I'm committed. I want you to know today that my faith is not dependent on the, on the healing in my body. My faith is not dependent on the feelings in my life. My faith is dependent on the word of God. And that word became flesh. And that word is Jesus Christ. My faith is in you. And so I came here this morning to tell you, God, before I start m- making petitions, before I start asking for requests, I just want you to know, God, today that you're holy. And no matter if you answer any of these things, it doesn't make a difference on how I'm going to worship you. And then we get to the place where then we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then we get to a place where we say, God, not what I want, but God, what you want. When was the last time you just woke up and prayed and not asking for anything? You just said, God, what do you want for me today? God, what do you want for me today? And then it says, give us this day. I'm not saying that we don't ask for things. I'm not saying that he's not a good God. I'm not saying that he does not want to heal your body. It's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying, let's keep him, Dad. Let's love on him. So let me ask you, what would change in your life if you said, God, I want what you want? And let me just teach a little doctrine and theology real quick. This would be a great comment of sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. We, salvation is us being saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We repent, we be baptized, we receive the Holy Spirit. But then we move on to sanctification where we become like Christ. This is a great comment. You can tell the maturity of a believer when they finally get to the place where it's not about them anymore and they say, God, I want what you want. And then God starts to work on your life. And all of a sudden your finances become in order with not, not necessarily with what people think, it's what, what God thinks. And then your worship becomes in order and your modesty and your dress 
dress become an order. And then your relationships become an order. And your marriage becomes an order. Because you're conforming to Jesus. Because you're not saying, God, I want what I want anymore. You died to that. In fact, Romans 6 makes it very clear. You died to sin. We don't live on it any longer. Now we are sanctified. Now we are holy. And now we say, God, I want what you want. How many in this room you just say, God, I want what you want? Come on, just put your hand up if that's you. You can put it right back down. What would change in your life if you say, God, I want what you want? Will we give more to missions? You think we would be sending more missionaries out, preaching the gospel? Would, would we act differently with our kids? Will we work harder and more honest at work? Would you love and honor your spouse differently if you did what God wanted you to do instead of what you wanted? Would we have a larger facility by now? Probably. If we all said, God, I want what you want. What about movies and alcohol? Listen, this is just grace. You make the decision. I'm not telling you. I just We preach the Bible, and you make an educated decision. What movies does God want you to watch? It's that simple. Whatever movies he wants you to watch, do it. Whatever movies he doesn't want you to watch, don't watch them. What about alcohol? What about, you know, drugs and cigarettes, eating and health? How does God want you to treat your body? Hmm. What would change if you said, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want? Noah built an ark and changed the face of the planet because he simply said, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. Young leaders, hear me as I, as I say this. Joseph, young man, became a voice to all of Egypt and saved his family lineage because he said, God, I want what, I, I want what you want more than I want what I want. Moses led Israel out of, out of slavery because he said, God, not what I want, but what you want. He sat there and stared at Pharaoh, fear in his eyes, I'm sure. But then all of a sudden that faith rose up and he said, God, I'm going to choose to serve you. And I'm going to choose to not let anything I'm seeing right now deter what you've called me to. David, all right, let's go to Joshua. Joshua defeated Jericho because he said, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. David killed the giant because he said, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. All the men around the Philistine uh, army, if you know the story, they were prepared. They've gone to battle. They, they, they have all the armor. They got all the artillery. But you know what David had? Faith. He walks over and he says, are you kidding me? God, what do you want me to do? All of a sudden, the spirit rises up in that young man, grabs five stones. Are you kidding me? Five stones? There's got to be a God thing. God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. Job was tested beyond belief. And now he has a story that brings comfort to all believers going through hard times because he said, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. Jesus brought salvation to all the world because he sat in the garden of Gethsemane. You know the story. And he said, God, not my will, but your will. This is our, our Christ. This is who we follow. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because he said, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. Listen to this. Judas betrayed Jesus because he said, God, I want what I want more than I want what you want. Adam and Eve allowed sin into the world because they got to a place where they said, God, 
I want what I want more than I want what you want. The 120 in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit ascended on the day of Pentecost, decided to stay in that upper room, and they kept seeking God, and they said, God, I want what you want. And our church has never been the same. You know, I want to make a disclaimer before we close. This is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Am I right? I mean, sanctifying ourselves to the Lord is not easy. It is difficult. It is hard. We lose relationships. It hurts. There's pain involved. But it is so worth it. It is so worth it. God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. I mean, in this place, you say, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want on the cross this place. You put your hand back down. So let, let me just follow the trail real quick because it basically is kind of an unorthodox sermon a little bit. I've just asked you questions. That's it. So I started out and God says, what do you want? And so at first you kind of then say, well, I, I, I want... I want things, I want things, I want things. And then all of a sudden we get to the place where we say, okay, God, actually, I just want what you want. In fact, I just want you. And so then we get to that place. Did you follow that? I mean, that just kind of made logical sense. If God really is who he is, who he is, then I want him. And if he created me, then he has a plan for me. And so I want that plan. I want him. So you're following me. So we got to that place and then we said, okay, God, now I, I want what you want. But then, but then now as we seek God, This is the beauty. This is the gospel of grace. This is the overflow of the Christian life. As we seek God and then we start asking the question, God, what do you want from me? God, what do you want? All of a sudden, when we begin to go down that trail, you know what we find? We find that all that God wants is you. What you find is that all God really wants is you. Your surrender, your devotion, Your quiet times, your finances, your life. In fact, you are put on this earth to give him glory. That's what he's after. God wants you. God wants you. If you'd say this morning, God, I want what you want. Would you just stand to your feet all across this place? God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. And I want to end with a simple illustration and then I'm going to give you, I, I, I specifically preached quick, so I'd give you a little bit of time just to respond today in whichever way you want. Because um, I believe that God's going to speak to you and he's already speaking to you and so I don't even want to mess with what God's doing. I want to allow you some freedom today. But I, I, I want to give you this really simple illustration because this really is probably the point of the message. Is uh, I got Pastor Eugene here. He is, he is my spiritual father. And uh, you're looking good today, Pastor, just that shirt and everything. And, um, and let, let me just, and as many of you probably have, well, I don't know if you've had kids, but if you have had kids they are teenagers, or if you are a teenager, you can remember this. Either way, basically everybody can relate with this. Here is the typical teenage Christian life in relationship with the father, right? Hey, Dad, see that? Next day. Hey, Dad, see that? Say hello to Mom. Right? Now, hold on. I'm running. This is fun. Hey, that's it. Oh, oh, real quick. Can I get $20? Can I get... Well, actually, I really need $50. It's a church event. Jesus is going to be out poor, I promise. I'm going to tithe it. I'm going to tithe everything. Can I get... 
Oh, okay, great. Thanks. Thanks, Dad. See and, and if you're a father, you could really relate with this. But even if you're not, you can relate. What, what, what is, what is, what is the, the father after? Hey, right? He's going to, hey, Dad, see that? He's going to grab him and go, ho, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you? Hey, man. Are, are you seeing what I'm saying? We're so quick. And, and at some point, the Heavenly Father, I believe, just really just spoke this into my heart just to tell you, just, He just wants to grab your attention today and just say, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I, I'm not saying I don't want to bless you. I'm not saying I don't want to love you. I'm not saying that, that I don't have good things in store for you. But just can we just take a second and just talk? Can, can we just take a second and can you just worship? Not be, forget about where you're going to eat. Forget about, I know this is hard, parents, but you have children over in the, in, the, in the kids' church right now. Just for a second, God's just saying, can I just get your attention? Can, I just believe God's just saying, listen, can you just for the next 10 minutes, just, can you just give me worship? Not because I'm going to give anything. You know, just if you're a dad, you can relate with this so much. It's just so easy. God's just saying, man, we can get it so backwards so quick. You're here today and you'd say, you know what, man, I want what God wants. God, I want what you want. And God then says to you, he says, I want you. Let me ask you this question today. Does God have you? Does God have your finances? Does God have your faith? Does God have your relationships? Does God have your will? Does God have all of you? And what, and in the areas that he doesn't, this is a great opportunity in these last five to ten minutes. It's just to get right with God and just say, God, forgive me. I got too quick with you. Forgive me for coming in the house of God and being so quick. I, I see students sometimes, and I don't want to blame them because I think I, I've been there at some point, and maybe you have too. But, but, you know, they'll sit down. We ask them to stand in our Wednesday night gatherings, and so they'll sit down most of the time, and then all of a sudden I'll get up there and say, man, we just serve a big God, and God wants to pour out his healing. And then I see a student that's been sitting down the whole time all of a sudden was like, yeah, man, I'll take it. You know, I'll just take it. I'm just like... Ah, you're missing it. You're missing the beauty. The healing is such is the small part. The 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 provision financially that's 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 the easy part. That's that's the no brainer. That just naturally comes out of the outflow of the relationship with Jesus. It's just it's just he just wants he just wants you. And out of that overflow, everything else takes place. And so you're here today. You say, you know what, God? I just want I want what you want. I want what you want. If that's you, I want to pray. And then when I say amen, I just want you to get out of your seat. And the worship team, you can go ahead and make your way back up to the, up to the auditorium, up to the whatever auditorium, up to the stage. And let's just take the next 10 minutes and just consecrate ourselves to Christ. God, man, 